0: Hello, Explorers. I'm Pamela Ricchia, and this is episode number 192 of the podcast. It's the 4th of September, 2019, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a wonderful conversation with Amy Milstein. Amy's two kids have grown up unschooling, and last year, her eldest decided she wanted to go to college. We dive into how they handle the legalities of unschooling in New York, her daughter's journey to college, and the lovely flow of their unschooling days along the way. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. And just a heads up, Amy and her family live in an apartment in New York City, so you may notice the background symphony of life in NYC. Most notably, the beeps of trucks on the street backing up. During the call, I remember thinking how it reminded me of hanging out with Lissy in her apartment, all the hustle and bustle sounds, and it made me smile. As a personal update, this week I've been booking guests for the show, digging out warmer clothes, tidying my workspace, and generally embracing the growing fall energy in the air. I do appreciate the flow of the changing seasons. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patrons, Julia Triman and Danielle Thompson. Hi, Julia. Hi, Danielle. And thanks to Kinsey for increasing her pledge. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support not only lets me know that you enjoy the show and want it to continue, it is integral to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. A few days ago, I shared a big what I've been up to post on Patreon, and I aim to make that a monthly thing. I also shared this month's inspirational wallpaper image. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's patreo ncom forward slash exploring unschooling. And now, let's dive into my conversation with Amy. Welcome, I'm Pamela Ricchia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Amy Milstein. Hi, Amy. Hello. <laughs> Did I say your name properly? <laughs>
1: Yes, you did. Oh, Very good.
0: <laughs> so I am finally, I am excited to finally connect with Amy because I've come across her work online over the years. And it finally, that's a great thing about having a podcast. It's kind of a reason to reach out to people that you've seen around for years. <laughs> so yeah. I'm really excited that you said yes, Amy. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. It's my pleasure.
0: And to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family?
1: Uh, sure. So we live in New York City, um, and my husband is from Israel originally, but we've both been here forever. And we have two kids. They are now 19 and 15. Our daughter is just started her sophomore year at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, our son is 15 and is out in Oregon at camp. Uh, kids never went to school K through 12. They were always unschooled. So um, the college experience was, her, was the first time one of our kids had been in a completely structured school setting. Um, and, yeah, that's it in a nutshell.
0: Well, that's, <laughs> that's really interesting. And we're definitely going to dive into the college uh, aspect because I think that will be really interesting for people to uh, hear about. Um, yes. But let's jump back a few years, and I'm curious how you discovered unschooling and what uh, your move to unschooling looked like.
1: Well, so we had friends who always said they were homeschooled. I found out later that they were basically unschoolers as well before we had kids. And I was just impressed with these kids. I was like, look at them. They're comfortable in all society. They're comfortable with adults. They're comfortable with older kids, younger kids. And that was so the social aspect of how well these kids how comfortable they were in all social situations was what hooked me, which is, of course, you know, the myth is that homeschool kids are not well-socialized. And I'm like, that's so not true. But anyway, so that was what really, I had always kind of thought about it because we live in New York City and I didn't really want to go the public school route. And I couldn't quite fathom what I would be paying $20,000 for for a five-year-old at a Montessori school that I couldn't do at home. With you know I was like hand me $20,000 and we'll have a good time we right <laughs> um, so I started looking and that that was sort of when we decided we would homeschool and that was kind of before we even had kids uh, and then when our daughter Maya was old enough to sort of officially you know in New York start reporting hold on Let me just turn that off okay Um we started with kind of a, a waldorf type curriculum. And that was fine. But after maybe a year or so, I figured out that what she really liked was just the sit down one-on-one time with me. And then it became a situation where she didn't want to do some of the stuff that I had planned. And I quickly thought, well, I don't, I didn't sign up for this to sit and argue with my kid about schoolwork. Cause if I'm going to do that, I'll send her to school and we'll argue about homework. Like, you know, that just wasn't. And by that time, Ben had come along and he was very clearly not going to be a sit down at the table and do work kind of kid. Cause he, his eyes would just like roll back in his head. If you suggested coming over and looking at something at the table, <laughs> <laughs> So I thought mm, that's not going to work for him. And by this time I was familiar with Sandra Dodd and Wendy presidents and, and their writing and, and Wendy's magazine. And, um, so I thought, you know, maybe we'll just ditch it altogether. And I suggested, it and it was met with great enthusiasm. And I thought, you know, it was just, if we ever need to, we can come back to it, which is, you know, I always tell people it's not, nothing is set in stone. If you need to jump in with something, if you need to change the way you're doing things, that's the beauty of it. You can, nothing is, you know, this is forever like this. So that's what we did. And we never, we never came back to doing a curriculum as such. You know, my kids over the years decided they wanted classes or they wanted to study this or that and they go seek it. Um, And took lots of classes. Well, Maya took lots of classes sort of through her high school years that she chose and she sought out. Um, Which is also the great thing about unschoolers is that they get to a point where sometimes they're like, I want to look into that. And then they go do it. That's great.
0: So so that's
1: kind of how. So Ben is really my poster child for unschooling because he never had sit down lessons of any kind when he was little. Maya sort of started out with them, and then we ditched them after about second grade year, because I wasn't going to sit and argue with her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, you arguments. know, that's no. it. that's the catalyst, though, right? And for me, that over the years, always that's been the measure of things. is like the the clue that something's not working here. You know, whatever it is that we if we start to butt heads or over something, um, that's my clue. Okay, let's let's look at that. Let's see, you know, what where are they coming from? What am I thinking it's accomplishing? You know, that's that's kind of when to dive in and look. Right. And what you
1: just said, what you think it's accomplishing, I find this is often an issue that parents, you know, we all have in our heads what our kids will be like and what kinds of things they will like. You know, I was certain, you know, certain things, my kids will love this because I loved it. And then big surprise, (laughs) they didn't always love the things that I loved. And, you know, sometimes they did, but sometimes they didn't. And, And I think parents have a really hard time letting go of, well, they should like this because I do. Or I think this is important, so they need to think this is important. And I think that really, and even among unschooling families, like it doesn't matter if you're in school, out of school, what sort of learning you pursue. That is a dynamic between parents and children that I find is is happens everywhere and is often the cause of tension and conflict. So I always, you know, say to the parents, are you sure, you know, it's fine for you to suggest things that we can't be married to this stuff because your kid is your is a, is their own individual person, and they are not going to always like the things that you like or want to do the things that you think they should want to do, and that's part of the you know the journey and the challenge. I think.
0: Yeah. No, I think that is one of the the biggest or most helpful stage of de-schooling is, is realizing how much of those expectations and dreams and everything are just ours. And it doesn't mean they're wrong, but it's that no. to realize, you know, <laughs> if this is something I want to do, that was something else I learned is, is do it then. But do it for exactly. me.
1: Exactly.
0: Don't insist my yeah. kids do it, right?
1: Exactly. Don't try to live vicariously through your kids and put those things on them. You know, because the unschooling is all about. In my, I've always said it's not. It's not a method by which you educate your kids. It's it's a decision about a lifestyle, yeah. and and part of that lifestyle is, you know, enjoying things with your kids, but also not imposing anything on them. Not imposing your own dreams on them. You know, we don't want to impose a curriculum on them, but you also don't want to impose you know, your will sort of, and it should be more of a collaborative effort. And that's not to say because some people then take that as advocating the role as parent completely. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not about that. You know, you are still the parent in the household. And that means that you are the leader and you are the, hopefully the role model and the facilitator and all of those things. And, you know, I always say to people, "Don't get me wrong. I have had my days where I just <laughs> wanted to scream because it's my decision, you know." <laughs> and I've not been that perfect, you know. <laughs> Let's all get along, kumbaya, woman. My whole time as a mom, you know, that's yeah, not. But possible.
0: that's 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 how that that's part of everybody learning too, right? I mean, not all people. You don't want to come across as perfect. Because that's no. it's an unrealist an unrealistic expectation for your kids too. Even if that's they right. think once I'm a parent, I need to be perfect or whatever, right? right? So yeah. it's it's talking through these things. That's that's the great thing about realizing when you're seeing things differently than your child, because that's an opportunity to share, you know, where you're coming from, what what you're seeing, what you're thinking. And, you know, I've always it's always turned out that I've learned more about them and now I've understood their perspective. I've never right. gotten to a point where I felt I needed to impose my will. But right. I can share my my experience, my thoughts, my my kind of worries and and we work together to to figure out right. a path forward where because they want me to be comfortable too. Like I was telling you exactly. earlier You know, my son's not feeling very well. He's not, he's out on a trip, yet we're working together, but now it's by text conversation instead of face-to-face conversation, right? Like, what can we do to help you feel better? What are symptoms? Like, all that kind of stuff. It's just working together as a team when something goes awry, right?
1: Right. And also being open with your kids, which I think some parents have this feeling that they can't be honest with their kids about why they feel a certain way. And and I always use examples from when kids are little, you know, and, and, and I would talk to parents and, and, you know, bedtime is always a big thing. And they would be like, well, but, but, you know, they need to go to bed at this certain time. And I would always say, why do you want them to go to bed at that time? Well, because they'll be tired. And I would just look at them and be like, is that really why you want them to go to bed at, you know, 8.30 or 9? And then they'd be like, well you know, we, we'd we like to have some time to ourselves. I'm like, that's right. So you know what? You can say that to your child. I used to say to my kids, look, you need to be in your room, and I don't care if you go to sleep, but I need some time to myself, or I will be grumpy tomorrow, and none of us want that. And kind of presented in this way, like, it's coming from me. It's not Because I find it insulting to kids for parents to say to them, well, I know your body better than you do, and so Mm -hmm. you're tired. Even if they are tired. They probably are tired. But I don't like someone pointing at me and saying, you know, hey, you need to go do this because I can tell that you're exhausted. You know, then I'm like...
0: You're choosing to keep going. There's a reason you're choosing to keep going and doing something even though you're tired. Right.
1: Right. So I always say, be honest with your kids and say, you know, I, I need some quiet time in the evenings. This is why we would like, you know, for you to be in your room or whatever. And, j- and tell I always said, you know, you don't need to go to sleep because if they are tired and they're in the room, they're going to fall asleep most of the time. Or they don't have to be in their room, but you know, they have to be somewhere so you can have some quiet time. This is what I always did. I did the same thing with brushing teeth because I have real dental phobia. Ugh, I hate going to the dentist. And so I used to get like all anxious if they weren't like brushing their teeth. And I finally realized that they didn't know why I was feeling that way. So I told them I had lots of cavities as a kid. It makes me anxious to think about you going through that. And this is why I'm so like hyper about this particular thing. And then they were like, "Oh," (laughs) and it was never a problem again because they understood. So that translates into lots of things as they get older, as long as you're clear about what you're feeling Kids are really good about going, oh, okay, that seems honest.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And and I think that is one of the, the big things that people um, work on. I didn't want to say struggle with when they're coming to unschooling because, you know, so often when they say something, they don't know why yet right yeah. like you said you need to ask them but but why because it's like well that's that's when they should do this or right. Et cetera, right and when you get to that why for yourself like, that's exactly what you were saying you can now share it with them and they that's can right. understand you better you can understand you better and then you guys can all work to find something like if the if the answer is you know i need some quiet time on my own If that's workable with your kids, you know, maybe it is quiet time in the evening. Maybe you work together and it's like, you know what? We're always busy late, later afternoon or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be fixed on this bedtime. You can open up more creatively, right?
1: Exactly. And whatever works. And that's the other thing I always tell people, you know, every single family is different. There is no one right way to do this because it's whatever works for your family, which is the great and scary thing for people yeah. because, you know, even families, they're sort of used to, oh, well, this is how you're supposed to do it. You know, um, this is what's acceptable, you know, in culture or whatever. And so, and school is a part of that, but it's not all of it. Mm-hmm. And so when suddenly it's like, look, it's all up to you. Isn't that great? But that's also terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh no, it's all up to me, you know. Um, and that's that's what I always tell people. But but that's a great thing because it also means it can, like you said, it can change and be adjusted. And as they grow, it will change.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: things don't stay the same as they get older.
0: Yep. I mean, and, that's another great thing about talking to your kids about things as, as they come up. It's right. that you'll see over time that everybody's reasons for things, everybody's needs or wants change over time. Yeah and they can gain that experience and and they they get that experience of not being so married to <laughs> to use your, married to something right and that is something that i think is so valuable to bring into adulthood too right because sure. so many of the conventional messages are you know do this do this pick this and 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 live it you know right no um,
1: matter if you're miserable you yeah,
0: exactly stick. that it's a bad thing to change course or step sideways or whatever when when really it's not
1: <laughs> not at all no, no i I have to say that's one thing too I know we're going to get into the college thing, but um you know Maya is enjoying college right now but but she knows, and we've been very clear about the fact that if that would change if she would find an opportunity that required her to leave school and pursue it, whatever, or if she stays and loves it for four years, all of that is good. Mm -hmm. And I've told her several times, please pay attention because I would have pursued photography much, much, much sooner had I been paying attention or anybody said, you know how you forget time when you're in the dark room and forget meals? You don't do that for anything else that should have been a clue Mm -hmm. but I but I was you know majoring in something else and I just didn't have that ability to notice Mm -hmm. that this other thing was really pulling my interest over here so I've always said that to my kids pay attention to those things those things that you keep coming back to or that you just like you get so absorbed in that you forget everything else that's a real clue and and you should always pay attention to that. So I'm hoping that I've, <laughs> that I've sort of, you know, made it clear that they're they're paying attention because that's something it's hard to do for them. I mean, I you know I will always say, oh, you seem like you really enjoy that or whatever. But you know, in the end, they it, have to
0: it is one <clears throat> that that is the other piece too. I mean, yes, we're going to get to the questions, but this is so interesting. <laughs> I know, but uh, but that's the piece too, right? That you can't you can share your observations, but it's still their journey, right? It's still yeah. when they decide that that's important enough to take that step or, yeah. or not, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier that you guys live in New York state mm-hmm. and I know a few people there and that there is a standardized testing requirement for homeschoolers mm-hmm. there. Um, And I saw on your blog that, you guys found the process mostly easy and laid back. So I know that's the way you approached it. So, <laughs> because I've seen more stressed emails go by of people <laughs> worrying about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: okay. so there's two things. Um, we are fortunate in New York City to
0: mm-hmm. have
1: a central office of homeschooling because there are so many homeschooling families in the city that they opened this office. And, and it happened to open, I believe, maybe when Maya was a couple years old, two or three. Before that, and in the rest of the state, you report to whatever regional person oversees your district. And quite often that person is not familiar with homeschooling or for, for sure not familiar with unschooling. Um, and will have a much more um, traditional idea of what you should be giving them. So I want to put that out there first. I've worked with people in other parts of the state and we, I've had to be really, um, you know, much more concerned with how they structure their reports and everything because I know they're turning them into a person who, for whom homeschooling is not their primary thing. yeah. Whereas, so here we have an office and all they do is homeschooling paperwork. Hmm. And thankfully my dear friend, Elsa Haas, who passed away several years ago, um, she worked with John Holt in the eighties. She translated all of his stuff into Spanish and pretty much single-handedly started the unschooling movement in Spain in the late eighties and was a, um, trained as an attorney and her son is I think, the same age as Maya. And so starting at a very young age, she marched herself into the homeschooling office. And I'm sure they cringed when they saw her coming. <laughs> 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 and she gave them an education about what is unschooling and how this works. And the state regulations say this, and that means we can do this. And so... They know what unschooling is in our office. Um, And they're really great, honestly. I would not want their job because they get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reports and not one of them looks anything like the other. Nobody uses the standardized. These poor people have to wade through this paperwork. I would not trade places for them at all. So I really think they do a very good job, all things considered that they, that they do. And, and we're fortunate that Elsa pounded for years at them so they know, you know, what this is. Um, so standardized testing in New York State is required starting from every other year from the fourth through the eighth grade. However, you can take the fourth grade year as your off year which means you only do a test after fifth and seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And then you test, you have to take a test every year at the end of the year or well during at some point during the year, uh, every year in high school. So nine, 10, 11, 12. Um, but it's not anything like the testing they do in schools. It's not nearly as long. And you know, I mean, I did, I don't do test prep for my kids. I would just be like, here it is. And they would do it. And, you know, that was it. Um, you have to score on or at or above the thirty-third percentile in order to be deemed okay to continue. Um, and so and those are turned in generally at the end of the year, those results to the with your annual assessment. Apart from that you do your letter of intent to homeschool every year and your IHIP. The IHIP is where people freak out a little bit. Um, especially unschoolers, because they're like, how are we going to, you know, tell them I hip stands for individualized home instruction plan for people not here. (laughs) And so for unschoolers, you know, it's obviously it's more free flowing. So I always put together a list of things I think that we'll probably do things, classes. I know they're interested in trips. We might take whatever. And then I say, this is all subject to change because we're unschooling. But I guarantee detailed quarterly reports of what we have done. So, like, the IHIP is just sort of an outline for them so that they see you're not just, I mean, you know, in their eyes, doing nothing. So, which you can't do anyway, but that's a whole Sandra Dodd (laughs) our nothing day conversation that we won't get into (laughs) now. But... uh, Um, And then in the quarterlies, what I do for myself is keep a draft email just in my drafts. And every time something happens, we have a conversation, we go somewhere, something that I think, oh, that'll, you know, I throw it in the draft email because I will not remember it otherwise. And then when I'm doing the quarterly reports, I pull that up, and I personally plug everything into sort of a general subject area. Now, Elsa didn't. Elsa would literally make a list in no particular order of everything Tyler had done and send it to them and let them sort it out. And I feel badly enough for them. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, sort it out and I send it in. And, I put, and and that's it. And it really, like, I've done it so much now that it takes me maybe 20 minutes to do a quarter so, so you know, it's, and, and Elsa and I, I sort of agreed with this. We're sort of of the opinion that our paperwork is our best defense here because we get that letter of compliance at the beginning of the year after you've sent in your I have been your thing. And as long as you're in compliance, which means you send them their stuff when they need it, you have, no one can say anything to you about what you're doing with your kids why aren't you in school? What are they doing? I've got, Hey, I'm in compliance with steroids and that's all that they need to see, you know, now, obviously um, if there's some extreme situation going on, I'm not excusing. Yeah, I'm just saying for like people who, you know, are too nosy and curious about why my kids at the playground in the middle of the day. And clearly they're at school age, you know, stuff like that, which to be honest in New York doesn't happen very often, but still it's a good You know, Mm -hmm. I always felt like it was a good thing to have. And I liked it, too, because I got to kind of check in at what we'd been doing, which was really fun. So I don't see the paperwork as a bad thing. Um, I know some people do, and that's, they can, you know. And I I always say to those people, look, if you want to change the regulations, don't harass the people in our office here. They do not make the regulations. They work For the state, they are trying to do their job and check off those boxes. If you want to change the rules, go to Albany and talk to your elected representatives. If that's your crusade, if you want to do that, by all means, feel free. Um, But I'm very like, that's not my crusade. So I'm happy to give them what they need in order to find me in compliance of the regulations.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like you figured out... A uh, pretty uh, manageable, certainly manageable system for yourself to just gather over time the things that they would like to see, right?
1: Yeah, and I usually have to cut stuff out because I don't, I don't, they don't want to read a book. I try to keep my quarterlies under two pages, like well under. If I could get it all on a page, I would, but I can't ever quite manage it. <laughs> but you know, because they don't want to wait. Like again, they're getting hundreds and hundreds of these. Mm -hmm. They don't want to have to wade through 10 pages of, you know, me waxing on about all the stuff we've done. I like to keep it short, you know.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, no, and I love that idea of just, you know, um, taking a quick note when you have a chance throughout the quarter, you know, whether it's daily or weekly or whatever. But just because you're right, all those little bits that truly do fit that are just life right you you'll forget about them eight Completely weeks
1: forget. right yeah yeah. I would never in a million years, and I think that's where stress comes from sometimes yeah. because people think they'll remember all this stuff and you just don't so it's really good to have some sort, of you know whatever you're putting a note on your phone or whatever it is however you can keep track of it mm-hmm. I think that's, it's the most valuable thing you can do and it makes it's so much easier on the day that you're like, oh my gosh, I have to send in that quarterly to know that you've got all that information there and you just sit down basically transfer it over.
0: And I feel like since you're just noting like everyday stuff that you're doing, what a really cool journal too, for just the fun moments of your life. Right.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's little things, you know, I always tell people they they tend to have this idea that anything you put on the quarter of the has to be something you've done every day for the whole time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, because, you know, sometimes things that stick in our head for years and we really come back to again and again, weren't things that were long, prolonged, you know, deep dives into stuff. Sometimes it's an hour long conversation with someone or something you see, you know, on, in a movie or on TV or whatever. And those things are equally valid and important. And so don't discount, don't think, oh, that was just, you know, we were just in the car talking. Great. <sighs> you know, one <Yeah. laughs> of my best conversations with my kids when we're on long trips in the car a lot of times. So, you know, mark
0: it I down. Know. I- I, that That's a great point. And, and it's also, you know, you can see how that's totally valid um, because think of when you think of school right like it's just those little moments as they're cycling through topic after topic and right. the amount of actual you know kind of learning time that's interspersed with all that management time you know what's important is that connection that that learning connection in the moment it just happened to be that right sitting in the car was that moment or standing in the kitchen right. was a moment that you took that deep dive for half an hour or three hours, whatever it was, you know, yeah. you that between the opportunity to But now like they've, they've absorbed that now for, for That's real, okay. right. That's a connection. Right. Keep. Yeah. And those are
1: the things, you know, I always, I, I've had conversations with, um, People whose kids are in school, and you know, the conversation that comes up every fall is all the things kids forget over the summer, yeah. right? So, this is why. <laughs> and I'm like, don't even get me started on this because if they don't remember, they never learned it. They kept it in their, you know, short term memory for a test or whatever, and then it was gone. And I said, and here's the proof that kids do not just forget things that they've really learned, and that is that ask any kid about their favorite book, movie, game. They could have played it years ago. They will tell you in detail all of the elements and how it works and what they felt about it and who did this and what. They learned that because they were really interested in it. So all this stuff that they're forgetting,
0: you know. They, yeah, you know it, I, didn't, I, it I, didn't make a real connection for them, right? No, it didn't make no, we all have that connection. Yeah, I mean, I
1: don't remember... A ton of the stuff I supposedly learned in school. I know.
0: <laughs> okay, so you mentioned earlier that my chose to go to college last year, right? Um, so yeah. I would love to hear the story about how that choice came about and how you helped her along the way.
1: Well, we'd always said we didn't we don't have any invest they can go to college, not go to college, you know. Uh, My husband, Joshua, didn't go to college. He's a super successful business person. Um, My brother's one of the smartest people I've ever met. He also didn't go to college. Very successful in life. So I've never had this idea that you have to go to college. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, you know, part of me was sort of like, "Mm, maybe backpacking across Europe would be a good idea. You know, I was sort of like... (laughs) (laughs) But she... I had decided that she wanted to go to school for a while. She was thinking about school in Europe, which I was also like, yeah, do that, do that. Um, because I thought, then I don't care what you study. You'll be in Europe. You'll be living in Europe, and that's the best education you, know, you have. <laughs> but in the end, she has a lot of friends on the West Coast that she met at not back to school camp, and she's always liked California, so... She decided she wanted to go to school in California. Now, this decision, I think she had pretty much decided on college by the time she was in her official, like, 10th grade year. So then she decided she was going to take the ACT. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, great. So I went with her, and we picked out ACT prep books, and she asked us to get her a math tutor because she felt like that was her weak area. So we did. And then that was it. She, I never asked her if she was studying for the ACT. I never told her maybe she should do a test. She would, she'd be like, "I'm doing a test prep test. Don't bother me for an hour," you know, like (laughs) in her room, whatever. Like okay. So she did all of that, and um, then I went with her to California in the spring of her junior year to look at colleges. By that time, we had gotten to that point. And we saw nine, which was way too many. (laughs) It didn't seem like that many. I thought nine in 12 days, that's easy. And then by the end, I was like, okay, I could give the tours by now. Um, The tours were all pretty much the same. It was just like, you know, variations on a theme. Different campus, slightly different emphasis, but but mostly they were the same. Um, And we saw all Cal State and UC schools out there. And then because she felt like she should, we went and viewed Binghamton in New York, which is um, the State University of New York mm-hmm. in Binghamton. And then she applied to Ithaca, which we didn't actually visit. Um, so we did that, and she kind of narrowed it down to the one she wanted to apply to. She took the ACT actually the first, she took it twice, and that was her decision as well we kind of messed up the dates. So the first time she took it was when we were in California. So she took it in California, which, yeah. And I actually True. thought this will either be great in that she'll be completely out of her head, out of her, you know, like headspace yeah. because we're in a place or it'll be a little bit too nerve wracking. And it was yeah. kind of the second. So she took it again um, and did bring her score up, which was great. She felt better about it after yeah. that. Um, but again, this was all her. I didn't, yeah say, you should take it again. I didn't, you know, Um, I basically just said, what do you want me to do? And then I did that. And so we saw the schools. And then she applied. So you get, so you get a letter of completion from the Department of Education in New York. It is not a diploma. Mm -hmm. It is, here's your letter that says you've met the required standards. Yeah. It doesn't say anything about where you are in those standards, it's just, you're done. And, um, so we got all of her, she went on an unschool adventures trip to Southeast Asia in with Blake Bowles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fall of her official senior year. So we were doing college applications and writing up transcripts and stuff and getting it all ready to go because it's all submitted online and then I actually submitted them while she was away. And, like, she texted me, I, you got to submit tomorrow. So, like, here's my login. And I just, like, <laughs> log in and hit send. And then they all went And um, so that was kind of, I mean, her, you know, her senior year was not a typical senior <laughs> year at all because she spent eight weeks of it traipsing around Southeast Asia with a bunch of unschoolers, and it was great. It was awesome. Um, and, by the way, a little plug, if anybody – is looking at unschool adventures with Blake. Sweet. Do that. He's Fine. great. He's great. The trips are great. You know, it's it's an amazing thing. Um, so she got accepted to Ithaca right away, which was upstate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was kind of a relief. I thought, okay, good, because I, again, you know, I thought, what they could California could just be like, oh, you guys are really funny. And like, just <laughs> I, I, yeah, this panic attacks. So what if they look at this and go? You know, these people are so funny. They think that they're going to get in here. Because I knew how the New York State system worked. I had no idea how California would yeah, look at this stuff. Um, and when we were there, they talked about all these required tests that California high school students have to take if they're even considering going to college. And, of course, we didn't have any of that. But she'd never done, like, Regents, which are the equivalent tests in New York, or you know, I mean, there were no APs. It was all just, mm-hmm. here's our 12 years of unschooling, you know. And and um, and she got into all but UCLA. She applied to six, I think, five or six. And she got in everywhere. She got into UCs, to Cal States. Mm-hmm. It was great. So <laughs> I was like, oh, yay, that works. <laughs> so, you know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: And she chose Fullerton. She chose Cal State Fullerton which was the very first school we saw and kind of had that vibe where I, I was thinking too, this felt like the place that she would like. Mm-hmm. And so that's where she went. She absolutely loves it to, so far. Um, she did great. You know, she, she you know, not that, and again, like she was on the Dean's list, which I feel like like, yeah. To me yep. that doesn't mean anything. I wouldn't care if she was or she wasn't. Yeah. But it's one of those things that people go, "Wait, she never was in school." And then she was on the dean's list and I'm like, you know, my whole feeling about it is she chose to be there. This was all her. This was not us saying we expect you to go to college oh, you need to do all these advanced courses to get into college. Yeah. You know, it was all, so because it was completely her choice and her motivation to be there, that's her motivation to do well while she's there. She wants to be in every single thing that she's doing there. You know, mm-hmm. some classes are more fun, some are not. That's not going to any different but I feel like a lot of the kids who she knows there and she has said they're really burned out by the time because they worked so hard to get into college
0: yeah
1: there and they just want it they're just like I don't want to do this any like they're burned out Mm -hmm. of all of that and so they struggle a little bit because they don't want to do more homework and more classwork and you know
0: they've been doing um, this forever
1: and I think they felt like once they got into college there'd be some sort of Oh, I made it, and then it's just yeah. like you made it. Here's all your work, you know. Um, so for homeschoolers and unschoolers, they don't have that years of just the grind, yeah. You know, and I really think that's part of the reason that she's loving it because it was just her choice. Mm-hmm. So, so that yeah. was the, the abbreviated. I mean, that was basically it. I, I asked her what she wanted to do, helped her do it, and you know, yeah. Move it because I've got sun shining on my face, so yeah. <laughs> I'm constantly scooting my chair around. <laughs> no, um, it's,
0: it's great to hear that, you know, the, I think, you know, when you think about the interesting pieces, it wasn't, oh, you know, you, you want to do this, so therefore you need, like you mentioned, you need to take these AP courses, you need to take all these different exams, you need to jump through right. all the hoops that everybody else is jumping through. But right. that's not necessary. You don't have to switch up your life. Just because you, that's a place that that you're interested in, right? It's it's
1: really shocking to people when I tell them. <laughs> I mean, like seriously shocking. People yeah. can't quite wrap their head around the fact that I that we didn't do all that, and we we kept thinking we were doing something wrong because we hear people talk about the college application process as, I mean you know, it is the hunger games, man. It is like, except everybody, I would say that about New York city high schools, it's the hunger games in reverse because everybody wants in. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a little bit like that when I hear people talk about college applications. So we kept, we did like the whole thing in about four hours, one Sunday afternoon I sat on the couch while she filled everything out. If she had a question, she's like, what do they want here? And I would look and I would ask her and she wrote her, her essay questions for the UCs because they don't do the Common App that most mm-hmm. everybody uses, and she wrote her essay for the Common App, and she, wrote, you know, we did it all in one day, and I kept thinking, did we miss something? Because people talk about it taking weeks to do this, wow. and I, again, I was like, are they going to look at this and just go, you know, yeah you know who, nope. you, who you are. No, they didn't. And so people just are really shocked and sometimes a little upset because they feel like they've been duped.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's fascinating too what you mentioned. I hadn't really thought about that before, but how you know all through high school the goal is college, right? And that that they can have that need for, you know, something, uh, something, you know, what's, what's different, you know, I've made it that this is this, this is ultimately the goal I've been reaching for, for years that everybody wanted me to have. And yes, the place is different and the people you're with are different. Um, But it's, it's a lot the same too, right? It, it's, oh, now I have another timetable full of classes, and now I have another schedule of tests and exams. Right. And these are my. And now, classes.
1: by the way, nobody cares what I did in high school.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're starting from scratch again, right?
1: Like, so all, all this stuff that was supposed to be, you know, life or death, I mean, it is presented as yeah. this is your, you know, man, if you don't get these grades. Like it's, yeah. I get the feeling people it's presented like you will forever be looked upon as if your grades are lesser. The truth is, no one cares what you got as a grade in any class once you're no longer in that building. Yeah, nobody cares. You're accepted to college; they don't care. It will never be mentioned again. So, mm-hmm. because all they care about is then how you do now that you're
0: here. Yeah. You got through that hoop and now it's, that's behind you.
1: Yeah. So I think kids are really sort of like, I thought I was going to feel like I had achieved more.
0: Yeah. Things were going to feel different. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: um, I, and I think you've kind of answered some of the next question, which was, I was just curious what the experience has been like for her this first year. Um, and you said she's chosen, happily chosen to return again.
1: Yeah. Um, just but was there anything
0: else you wanted to add about that, her experience there?
1: I mean, I think it's been, you know, obviously there are challenges. Mm-hmm. She's living on the other side of the country. Um, she's got a car. You know, we live in New York City. So car. car? Yeah. Car. <laughs> um, but in, L- in California, in the L.A. area, you really need a car. Um so she has a car, you know, she she this year so Fullerton um really only has dorm space for freshmen. So she was in a dorm last year with her mm-hmm. roommate um who luckily she got along with great. They had a really nice relationship. And this year she's living in an apartment with three other girls and it's mm-hmm. it's a it's not affiliated with the university but it's like a block and a half away so they yeah. cater solely yeah. to university students. Um, so that's a whole new thing. You know, it's also the first time she's ever had a washer dryer in her living place. Cause we live in an apartment building and we have a washer, we have a laundry room. Yeah. There. So she's like, Oh my gosh, a washer dryer. So like there's things like that that are really funny that she's just never experienced. Um, and I, you know, I think I really am trying to think, I was trying to think of, you know, some negatives. <laughs> I think she was overwhelmed at times, but she really powered through it. Um, I think she's sort of been pleasantly surprised. I think she thought she was going to have a lot more catch up, mm-hmm. have to play catch up, um, compared to the people who'd been in school the whole time. Yeah. And she's like, "That's not true." I, you know, she's like, "I don't know what everyone's doing in high school, but." <laughs> yeah, yeah. She doesn't feel like she's behind. So that's yeah, good. Exactly. Um, and uh, let me think. Food, you know, I, mean, I don't know. It's just more life stuff, really. Yeah, yeah. I feel like homeschool kids have an edge a little bit in that regard because they've been doing life stuff more or less mm-hmm. sort of along the way. Um, you know, some, yeah. they, some they don't, but it's not like a huge jolt to their system when they suddenly have to do it um and she's got a, a job on campus that'll oh be a, yeah. that's a new thing this year she didn't have a job last year so she's having now to sort of figure out how to get all of her studying and work done
0: mm-hmm. so yeah no I mean that's that's great and you're right I think it is more it, it's just managing what life looks like right now right and as you said, that's something they've been doing in their lives. Like, I remember when I went to university, my gosh, that first year, like, people had no clue because they had never had that freedom. Right. It, and it was right. crazy. <laughs> you know, yeah. as I think back on it, it was really... And I mean, I lost my roommate at Christmas. She was gone. You know, so many people dropped out at Christmas yeah. because... They just didn't know how to manage it themselves. Yeah. Right? So it's it's the same thing, you know, high school classes, teachers, tests, and everything, but without uh, somebody, you know, standing looking over your here. shoulder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So.
1: Yeah. So her time management is great. Yeah. She's really good at that. So I think that'll work out.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And
1: she decides tomorrow, like I said, to do something else. Yeah. That'll be fine too.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, that's college, <laughs>
0: <laughs> very sweet. All right, I would love to know what has surprised you most about how unschooling has unfolded in your lives over the years. Something surprised you? Um, I
1: well, I will say, even though I knew my kids are different, I mean, every you know, this is why, of course one size fits all schools don't work. Yeah. Every kid is different. Um, you know, I would, I would continually sort of be surprised at how different they were, but I feel like when you, the, I, one of my favorite things about unschooling or just learning outside of school, sort of self-directed world. Um, is when I hear people with kids in school talk about how like everybody's in school and parents are at work, everybody's in their own space, then they sort of crash together in the evenings. Mm-hmm. They collide yeah. and, and they're still maybe in their headspace from whatever they've been doing. It's really hard to get some sort of
0: Cohesion. flow going
1: flow. in that restricted time. And then there's homework and then there you know, and so school kinda of takes over the whole family's life. And it's really hard to find a rhythm. So what I loved the most and what I think was, I guess I didn't expect it. I don't know if I could say it was a surprise because it kind of came up into being gradually. But when I look at it was how well our lives were able to mesh, even though my kids have wildly, you know, different personalities and they have different interests and, you know, I was doing things and, my husband Joshua was working, but still because there was no imposition of an outside entity saying, This is what you all need to be doing for eight hours of five days a week, you know. Yeah. It became this, you know, coming together and going apart and this really lovely flow. Um and obviously nothing is as we've said, yeah. nothing's perfect. So you yeah. do have those days where you feel like you just wanna like, you know. Throw everyone out. <laughs> okay. But, but I think there's a lot less. People always say to me, How, I could never spend that much time with my kids. I get that a lot from people. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think you could. I think the reason you feel like it's hard to spend time together is because you're all, and it's this collision course. Whereas when you're together all the time, and, and obviously not all the time because we're doing different things, but you, you don't have that. Mm-hmm. So everyone's able to ease into their own thing while being around everyone else. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good explanation.
0: No, but I think
1: that's my the most unexpected um, benefit.
0: Yeah,
1: I would say is that ability to have that.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and then how much my kids learn without me real. I sometimes people are like how does Ben know that, and I'm like. Psst have no idea, <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, I hate to sound like, I'm, but, but I really don't know how he knows that, you know, and, and they know things that I didn't teach them. Yeah. You know, that's just the greatest advertisement because kids, you know, kids learn things. They're curious about stuff and, and you don't have to always be standing over them, making sure it's happening.
0: You know, it's going to happen they <laughs> really you know? and that's a fun thing like for how much we connected and flow there is always so much they know that we have no clue right
1: right when we happens. connect and we flow but I don't actually have to be overseeing exactly. every minute of their day yeah and, and I'm now I'm even more confident that it's all good because you know I was sort of taking it on faith <laughs> that everything would work out if she wanted, like if one of my kids wanted to go to school. Now then I could say for certain, you know what?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It works. It'll work, you know? And the greatest thing about unschooled kids is that they know how to find out what they need to know. If they don't know it right at this second, they know where to go look. Mm-hmm. And that's the best skill, because that's what we all do when we're not in school anymore. We don't have to memorize all this stuff. We just have to know where to find it when we need it.
0: Yeah, and find right. it in the way that um, we want to absorb it, right? Right? You know, right. we're we whether we're looking for forums or we're looking for books or we're looking for videos or right. whatever it is. That's right. what that's what they how they've been finding their information all the time now, right? So it doesn't it doesn't change right. from from what like nobody
1: says to you if you if you say gosh I've never made. A turkey for Thanksgiving. They don't say, "Well, there's a great cooking class that you should enroll in." Yeah, like I mean, you can do that if you want to, but people would be like, "Um, you know, you can't that." <laughs> but, you know, on, on <laughs>
0: you know <laughs> I had to laugh. I uh, I was visiting my mom just a couple of days ago, and she actually said that to me. She was telling me about, oh, I think it was. drying drying some herbs or something from the garden, right? Because it's fall time now. And she's like, just look it up online. I'm like, yeah, mom. I
1: know. (laughs) Well, YouTube is the most wonderful resource for tutorials on how to do stuff. That is, I mean, you know, I know that that's, it got to the point with my kids where I would say, well, do you want my help? And, you know, suddenly they'd be like, no. Like, please. We don't need your help is like, oh great that's excellent you know so so yeah I, I think that it's just I wish you know of course I always tell people to isn't I know everyone can't have this lifestyle I wish it was accessible to many many more people there are many reasons people can't do it um that are valid, and you know that's a, that's also another conversation is how to really realistically make this sort of available in some way or another to more people. Mm-hmm. But but I think for anyone who's thinking about it and can find a way to make it work, it's it's fabulous.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know you find out in the end that so much of it comes down to our relationship and our our lifestyle, right? So even if yeah. School is in the picture. There's so much that, um, of that, that openness and that trust and that connection that you can yeah. still bring to that. Like, I mean, Absolutely. you know, exactly, exactly. There's, there's so much where school can just be, be a part, an aspect. It doesn't like you, right. don't need to, you don't need to be bringing that whole system home, which ties back beautifully to the other thing that you said that I wanted to bring up is because <laughs> people say, you know, I could never be with my kids that long, but, but it truly is um, with my kids within that system. Right. Right. Because you don't realize, like you think that's kids. Right. Those those, right. those are what society thinks, our culture thinks this is how kids are. This is how they right. act. This is how they behave. They don't like to learn. You know, these are all supposedly tru- truisms about children, but really right. they're about children in that system. So the child that yeah. you are with and living with while they go to school is different than the right. child that's at home. But so much of that you'll find, you'll learn is about the relationship. And it's about the relationship you're trying to have them by bringing that system in. You know what I mean? Right. I right. Mean, it is That's it's right. a cool this tapestry. <laughs> the
1: system wants you to bring it in, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The is, like, wide-reaching. They make all these assumptions, and they, tell, and they try to sort of get the parents of, on their side mm-hmm. sort of against their children. Yeah. People you know, like, well, you have to take our side if the kid is saying – they don't want to do this or whatever, yeah. and I, and you know so yeah so if even if your kid is in school and you have this open communication and you and you are their advocate, yeah, and not you're not advocating for the school, you're advocating for your child. You know that that is better than, yeah, you
0: know, yeah, yeah. No, exactly, okay. and I, that's why it's like it, it's really. I up, I'd say, you know, think a little bit more about summer vacation time, you know, stuff like that. Or when you go on vacation, when you don't have an external schedule that you're trying to meet so that, you you know, you're trying to get your kids through this routine um, day in and day out, when that's gone, then you might have a bit more of a glimpse of, of the child that you might see.
1: Yeah. I hope so. I hope, I mean, you know, I, I have this, you know, John Holt always said, we'll only change the system one family at a time. Yeah, You're never going to, it's never going to be a top-down situation. Um, and so I always feel like if one person hears it and can, can institute even a little bit or think, oh, you know, that could work for us, maybe completely, but at least a little bit, I feel like it will have long-term effects that are good. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. And I love the vision, as you talked about, just the flow of, of our days, because for me too, that, that was really the beauty of it all in the end, you know, as they got older yeah. too, as they were flowing through their things and we were helping them figure things out and they were, you know, old enough with enough experience and resources, they were helping us figure things out. You know, I was asking them questions and getting great Help <laughs> to do, things. yeah, for sure. That that, flow oh yeah, of, of unschooling is just beautiful, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's a really, it's a, it's a given. To, it's not just flow out from the parents yeah. to the kids. It really becomes this completely interconnected thing. And I learned tons of stuff from my kids. That you know, I don't know how they learned it, but
0: that was <laughs> <Yeah, I know. laughs> <So laughs> <it's> great. <laughs> yes, I definitely go to them first. <laughs> 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 Thank you so Sorry. much for taking the time to speak with me today, Amy. It was welcome, so fun.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy we finally got to to talk.
0: Finally, finally, yes, it was awesome. Thank you so much. And before we go, um, where can people find you and your work and your beautiful photography work as well <laughs> online?
1: Thank you. Well, they can always email me my my unschooling NYC website is still up. I don't mm-hmm. write. For it anymore but it's there and it, there's tons and tons and tons of blog posts from the years that I was posting almost every day for like three years on yeah. there so there's a lot of stuff there um geared more mostly towards younger kids but um so if people want to email me um it's just my name milstein amy at gmail mm-hmm. if you have any questions about unschooling or homeschooling or college or anything I'm happy to answer questions um and my photography is at amymilstein.com and there's a contact form in there too if you're interested in photography Mm. I travel (laughs) I'll go anywhere (laughs) I have kids who are older I can travel so yeah so um yeah I would love to hear from people
0: oh that's awesome and I will put links to all that stuff in the show notes for people Thanks again Thanks. so much, Amy, and I will talk right. to you soon. Thanks. Okay, bye.
1: You there. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the second book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Free to Live, Create a Thriving Unschooling Home. In it, I dive into the four characteristics that I found helped unschooling flourish in our home. Curiosity, patience, strong relationships, and trust. One reviewer wrote, Really enjoyed this short and sweet book. It has marvelous one-liners, and though I'm not an underliner, I found myself underlining on every page. Another said, I believe it would benefit any homeschooler or parent to read this book as it re emphasizes the importance of the relationship between a parent and a child in the learning process. I plan to reread this book. It is rich and full of gems. Give yourself some time to absorb it before rushing into unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.